Urban Forum Northwest with your host, Eddie Rye. We have a number of people we're going to be speaking with today. And uh, that way, we're going to go right to my first guest, who is Erin Lopez. She's the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Director with the Washington State Department of Financial Institutions. And I think that's a new designation, a new position. But Erin has been working around the community for a number of years. She has a lot more tenure than her young face shows. Uh, so Aaron, why don't you take one minute and let people know a little bit about your background, then we'll go into your current position and what you are achieving at the Washington State Department of Financial Institutions. Thanks, Eddie. Yeah, I've um, been in economic development for order, over 25 years. I started my career doing alternative lending in the central area and have worked in nonprofit, economic development, worked for state and supplier diversity, kind of across the the board over the last 25 years. And you also spent time at the Department of Enterprise Services and you also were with uh, PTAC. So why don't you just share a little bit about that background there? Sure, absolutely. So PTAC is the Procurement Technical Assistance Center. So they have offices across the state that provide free assistance and bidding on government contracts. That's either as a prime or a subcontractor. So I Used to be a counselor for a few years, and then I ran the state program for about five years. And then I worked at Department of Enterprise Services and Economic Development. So some of the pre-work to some of the supplier diversity policies, working on some of the priorities around some of the state contracts and clarifying some of the availability of diverse businesses and collaborating with the business diversity sub-cabinet and kind of some other, other areas while I was at DES. And then about a year ago, I moved over to DFI, Department of Financial Institutions. And uh, at uh, give, give our, our listeners a little bit about what your job entails with the Department of Financial Institutions. Was this a new position created? Do they always have this position? How did you come about becoming the director of that uh, particular department? Yeah, so it's um, kind of a new position for an agency like DFI. So the position was created for narrowing the racial wealth gap. And so that is my role. Um, so we're working with industry, community, and government kind of from a structural uh, standpoint to see what we can do. In the last year, we've uh, kind of looked at some low-hanging fruit with uh, some of the feedback from the Black Home Ownership Initiative uh, and the disparities work group around home ownership, around down payment assistance. And a lot of the things we're working on right now are around where things are working and how we can kind of give guidance. So we're looking at minority depository institutions, um, CDFI, which are these um, designations for community lending. So um, try not to get into the weeds too much. It starts getting kind of convoluted, but I can always talk in different areas of what I'm doing there. And then the agency itself does financial education and outreach and consumer protection and, and other areas. Well, do you have a special bank where you make deposits to help Black people? So there are, yes, um, we can't promote any specific entity, but one of the outcomes that community and industry defined was more connections between community and community-rooted financial institutions and specific products that met community needs. And so there are some uh, established programs like Bank On that talks about um, those financial institutions that have no, uh, no or limited fees, that don't um, 
do overdraft and, and have other areas. Um, so yes, so part of that is community defining what does that look like? What do you want? And then helping connect with financial institutions that will meet the needs both geographically, products, how they're engaging in the community. So yes. Okay, do you have uh, uh, any indication or any uh, documentation on which of the financial institutions you deal with uh, have the most favorable relationship and they've done the most business with African descendants of the United States enslaved? The Black folks have been here 400 years? We don't have that data. Um, and we can certainly look at ways that we can connect on specific areas that are of interest, like a certain percent of members that are banking with a, a financial institution. Like, I think those are very, those are great questions to ask our financial institutions in order to kind of connect with, with the right institution for your, that you're interested in. Well, see, I have faith in you, Erin, because you, you worked in the hood for a long time. You know what kind of issues that uh, uh, we're faced with, especially having access to capital and then in addition to that, uh, 23 years of no affirmative action. Thank you, Governor Gary Locke. When your governor's directive 98-01 in 1998, they killed affirmative action, which was one of the reasons why we lost most of the Central District. In addition to that, not having access to capital. Uh, so uh, maybe one of these days we can get the National Association of Minority Contractors to start a bank. But what other things are you doing with the short time we have? Because we want to have you on regular because you're, yeah. you're around the money. So we need to talk to you at least every quarter. I think that sounds great. So um, I'm going to jump on that. The last statement you said, anyone who is interested in forming a bank, a credit union, or doing money transmission or investments, any of that, we can help. So we can't give you the money, but we can talk about the regulatory framework, the requirements, meet with individuals and and talk through that so i do want to answer that um that people are having there's more money flowing into the community and there are more conversations about more community financial institutions and how could people access your information about your organization uh what you're doing specifically and how you can help folks like i said i've been knowing you for a little while you're a lot older than you look and you've been out here and i know you you've been working in the community and we appreciate that but I'm just trying to figure out a way to help. You know, after seeing the last OMWE report, uh, we know the Black community needs some help. As a matter of fact, all people are called. We didn't do well at all in the organization you just left, DES, the state's procurement entity did not do 1% with all women and minorities in 20 and 2021. But I don't speak for all minorities because a significant number of minorities support the opposition party that does gives the Black folks a hard time so I can just really deal with African, uh, African American, Africans of this, of African descent, African Americans of, of that came from Africa. But I also court, work with Peter Gashuru with uh, the Northwest uh, African Chamber of Commerce. I work with Estella Ortega. I work with uh, other folks in other communities as well. So, uh, but we uh, see that when folks have uh, other countries. Uh, they a lot of times they have access to offshore money. That's one thing that African descendants do not have. We just have 400 years of hard times and dying in every war for a country that uh, still don't, like uh, the, the coach uh, said, uh, we've been loving this country and they don't love us back. So, but I'm glad that we have people like you who are conscientious, who have a background in working in the black community and with people of the, uh, diverse backgrounds 
And I'm glad to see you in that position. I know if a change can come, it can come from you. So what are your plans in the future in your position? So there are a lot of things in there. So I, I do want to address the importance of money as it relates to supplier diversity. So part of the reason I was so excited to come to DFI is each year, the amount of contracts um, vary per year in the state. So it might be five billion one year. It's you know three billion. It kind of depends on the spend that year, and that doesn't include grants. And so um, I think we all saw during uh, COVID the the importance of access to capital, um, that the capital is affordable, access to home ownership, and so those are all the things that we're working on and collaboratively with other agencies and organizations. So. You, there's if anyone wants to be part of those conversations, they're ongoing. We have structure to it. Um, my email is Aaron E R I N dot Lopez L O P E Z at dfi.wa.gov. The main number, so you can talk to a human and get to the right um, person, myself or somebody else, is 877-746-4334. And our website's just dfi.wa.gov and our our plans our program what we're doing is all listed online okay and if you uh text me that information i'll put it under your picture on facebook that way people have direct access because i know there's probably a lot of people in the black community that love to sit down and have a conversation with you about either a credit union or a bank to have access to capital means that you can finance a contract and we know what happens with a lot of folks Big folks get a mobilization of money. Little folks have to wait 90 days to 100 days to be paid. So, uh, Aaron, I really do appreciate it. I will put that information out. And thank you very much. I will be in touch. Thank you, Eddie. All righty. Okay, my next uh, guest is uh, Jonte Robinson. And the word is out. She's leaving Sound Transit. Jonte Robinson is Sound Transit's Chief Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Officer. And... Uh, John Tay, uh, welcome back to Urban Forum Northwest, but I know you're doing so many things. You'll be on here again. It might not be with Sound Transfer, but some of your other activities. So why don't you share with a little bit about the successes you and Sound Transfer have had in including African descendants of the United States enslaved in opportunities at the, at the agency? Hello, Mr. Rye. Can you hear me? Loud and clear. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on your show. Um, and certainly it's been a privilege and an honor working with you um, in my capacity over the last few years. So as it relates to accomplishments, oh my goodness, um, over the last couple of years, Sound Transit under my leadership has been able to hit record numbers as it relates to utilizing uh, DBEs and small businesses on our capital projects. Um, as you all know, we have the largest system expansion project uh, in the nation. And we have successfully over the last couple of years, not just met our goals, but doubled our goals. Um, in a couple of weeks or so, we will be making an announcement of what our current attainment is. And as you all know, last year, I believe we were at 31.58%. Um, we're, we're still clocking around that number. I won't give you the exact number now, but we are still um, leading in that area. Um, well, can I just ask you about that high uh, number of attainment you've done? Uh, what absolutely. Percentage that was, uh, what percentage is that were companies or businesses owned by African descendants 
of the United States enslaved. The black folks been there for 100 years. Absolutely. I would say that that number is around 13 percent. Okay. That's around 13 percent. That's that's a a major accomplishment. I'm glad to hear that. Absolutely. And you know what, Mr. Rye, thank you for pointing and bringing that out. Because even though we're doing well, that doesn't mean that we don't still have work to do. Um, And one of the things, even as I move forward in other uh, areas that I'm really focused on is closing this wealth gap in our community and programs such as the DBE program and the small business programs can help. Um, businesses that are owned by Black folks do that. So that's been a very important uh, mission that I have been on. Um, and, and, and another thing that I want to highlight is uh, being able to leverage, you know, our influence to support organizations that support Black communities um, and Black causes, those numbers have increased significantly um, over the last couple of years at Sound Transit um, as it relates to our sponsorships and different things that we've been able to do. As we made a commitment to become an anti-racist organization in 2020, when you talk about becoming anti-racist and you talk about the root of racism and the systemic aspect of it, um, you got to put your money where your mouth is. A lot of people are saying a lot of different things, but they don't put their money where their mouth is. Um, And so we've been able to, um, through sponsorships, collaborate with a lot of organizations, again, that are supporting uh, Black families and Black communities. I'm sorry, that was my my daughter Angela calling me from Ghana. I had to take that. (laughs) Oh, that's important. (laughs) (laughs) She forgot, forgot. It was something she was supposed to have been on last week, but anyway, that's another story. So, uh, what's the major area that you see uh, most black attainment of uh, business opportunities with Sound Transit? So, I would say that most of those opportunities um, dealt with some of our like, um, like our sweeping, some of our smaller construction projects. One of um, the Black companies that I want to highlight is Systems Consulting. And they actually were able to work on, and this is a Black-owned company, um, they worked as primes um, on some of our projects. They are a quality assurance, quality control company. And so they've actually been able to break out of the space of just being a subcontractor to actually being a prime, which is a huge deal uh, for a Black company in this region. So quality, uh, system, sweeping, um, and, and, and there's a variety of projects that I've seen um, Black businesses, Black-owned businesses uh, participate in. That's great. How many uh, African-American uh, prime contractors have you dealt with in your tenure in two, two years? I've only dealt with two. Okay. I've only dealt with two. Yes. that And that is an area um, because, of course, even though I'm leaving, I'm leaving recommendations on record. And that is actually an area that I'm leaving on record that we need to work on. Um, again, the DBE and the small business programs, they are a great way uh, to support Black-owned businesses. But at the end of the day, we want to be prime contractors. Um, we want to be, you know, player, big players, and we want to be one of the big boys and be able to hold a contract on our own and not just be a sub to another company. 
and that's great. Now uh, you're going and you you you're going to be working. You're leaving, so I want to congratulate you first for an outstanding job at Sound Transit. Why don't you Thank share you. with our listeners? Because we'll have you back on to talk about your next venture. But since we have you on here now and you're leaving. Why don't you go ahead and share some information about what you're going to be doing next? Yes. So thank you so much, Mr. Rice. So I have a company called Just Here to Help LLC, um, help being an acronym for helping everyone live prosperously. And as I mentioned earlier, my mission is to close the racial wealth gap. So I am specifically targeting African-American families and businesses to help them eliminate debt. That is one of the primary focuses because when you begin to look at the data and statistics around the wealth gap, um, part of that deals with debt. Um, And unfortunately, a lot of people in our community are struggling with debt. The pandemic has not helped that at all. Um, So that is first and foremost on my list of things to accomplish um, as we head on into 2023. Now, you're going to be leaving a big void down there. Have they uh, even talked about having a replacement come in for you? They've certainly talked about it. Uh, <laughs> and there has been a recruitment that has been launched. Um, so they are, yes, they are in the process of backfilling my position. And of course, I have availed myself and said, um, if you need some help, uh, you can give me a call. And I certainly would continue to provide support to an organization um, that I care about, you know. As, so, and as a consultant. I, that's what I'm talking about. All right. Okay. Now, that's what I'm talking about because that's how everybody else operate. Yes. So, as a uh, certified DBE small business veteran owned uh, consultant. So you can be, yeah, you can have that. That's one thing people need to do. If you're talking about going into business or anything, with a public entity, you got to get certified. That's we'll right. We'll have somebody, we'll have uh, Lika Fernandez come back on. She's the new dynamic director of uh, 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 the, uh, the state of Washington's Office of Women and Minority Business Enterprise Program from Flint, uh, Latino system from Flint, Michigan. So she's doing an outstanding job and she's been on before. John uh, Tay, I really do wish you well. And like I said, uh, this program is a platform for folks that's doing things in the hood for as a matter of fact, for any people that need some assistance, no matter what color, ethnicity, religion, sexual orientation, or whatever, uh, we want equality for everyone. And uh, that's what we want to hear. We, I want to let everybody know that we have uh, some of the C.L. Martin Luther King Jr. Organizing Coalition interns on. We have Kimani Leonard on. She's a 10th grade from Tahoma High School. We have Brian Watson on. He's the 12th grade at Garfield High School. That's the Bulldog. We have uh, Kobe Williams on. Hold your O'Day jacket up, Bobby Alexander. Kobe Williams is in the 10th grade at O'Day High School. I don't know if uh, Brooklyn uh, Brooks from uh, 11th grade from Garfield has signed on yet or not. But uh, they're going to be on at the end of the program. But I thought it would be very educational for them to hear from folks who are in positions like yourself, Aaron, Aaron Lopez, who has been in the community for a long time and has have very a significant position at the Department of Financial Institutions and to have you on too with the work you've done. So, Jante, like I said, uh, you're going from Sound Transfer, but you're not going for me. So Thank uh, you so much, Mr. Rye. Okay, and we will be in touch, okay? Thank you. You have a lovely day. Thank you for having okay. me. Happy New Year to you and your family. All righty, uh, Eric, we're going to take this break and come back with Barb Armstead and Claude Burfick and... Uh, uh, 
I saw Lyle Quasim for a minute. He's rolling down from D.C., so he should be here as well. Thank you. At the stroke of midnight On that great holiday Gonna have a ball And that ain't all Gonna chase the blues away I'll be bringing in a brand new year Bringing in a brand new year Gonna have a dance Take a chance of romance While bringing in a brand new year Why sit in bumper-to-bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill and the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Linklight Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Linklight Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Linklight Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community, and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion, and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, Visit lease.ctacshops.com. Going our own way every day. Alternative Talk 1150. All right. Eddie Wright bringing in a brand new year. This is the last edition of Urban Forum Northwest for 2022. And, uh, I want to bring in now Bob Armstead, uh, chair, I mean, president of the Washington chapter of the National Association of Minority Contractors. Claude Burfick is the first vice president of the Seattle branch NAACP. And Lyle Quasim was rolling down the road. He, I did have him on, uh, and uh, maybe the police got him. But anyway, he was rolling back in. But I did see him on Zoom, so he could be joining us at any minute. And let's see, he might, we might have to give him a call. Eric, if you could, please. So, uh, Bob, right now we know that uh, uh, the Washington State Civil Rights Coalition filed a discrimination complaint with the United States Department of Justice. On November 22nd, it was filed November 23rd with the United States Department of Justice. And since that time, they've transferred it to the Department of Transportation. And recently, after a year uh, of going around in circles, we have got a, a advocate 
uh, in uh, Congressman Benny Thompson, who sent a letter to both Attorney General Merrick Garland and also to uh, the Secretary of Transportation, Pete Buttigieg, and welcome Lyle Kwasim. He's joined us by phone. So thank you very much. But we're going to start with Bob. So Bob, you just give a quick overview and summary of the complaint, where we are now, and what do you think Congressman Benny Thompson's uh, letter of support means for the investigation? I also want to add that Congressman Adam Smith did the very first letter supporting the investigation in December, uh, early part of December 2022, 2021, excuse me. Go ahead, Bob. Uh, okay, and I'd also like to add to that that we have had uh, tremendous support from uh, our senior Senator, uh, Patty Murray. She has also uh, provided us with a uh, letter to the Department of Justice and the Department of Transportation. Uh, very briefly, uh, in November last year, uh, 21 individuals and organizations uh, in Washington State submitted a complaint to the U.S. Department of Justice uh, claiming civil rights violations, discrimination, and disparate impact. And that was based on a lot of things. We, uh, with the complaint, we included uh, 36 or 38 attachments that uh, all were either produced by or paid for uh, by public entities in Washington State that supported uh, our complaint. Uh, our complaint primarily uh, dealt with contracting activities in Washington State, but in our complaint, we said that uh, the same was happening in education, health, and other areas in the state. And once the Department of Justice initiated a complaint, we wanted them to also uh, look into those areas. Uh, initially, our response back from uh, the Department of Justice uh, was that uh, they did not feel that they, that we had submitted our complaint to the uh, the right uh, area of the uh, federal government. And I would like for all of your listeners to know that we filed the complaint with the Civil Rights Division of the Department of Justice. So we were less than happy with that type of response. So we submitted uh, supplemental information to them. Uh, their response back after that uh, submission was to advise us that they had referred our complaint to the Department of Transportation uh, based on the fact that the majority of the examination, the majority of the uh, demonstrations of uh, civil rights violation and discrimination uh, occurred with organizations that were funded by the Department of Transportation. Uh, as you stated earlier, uh, Adam Smith uh, submitted a letter to the Department of Justice requesting that they investigate our complaint. Uh, at a later time, uh, Senator Patty Murray uh, submitted a similar letter. And recently, uh, we have a letter from uh, Congressman Thompson 
who headed the uh, January 6th uh, investigation for the House, uh, submitted a very strong letter uh, to the Department of Justice and the Department of Transportation. Uh, where we are now is waiting for responses back, uh, both from the Department of Justice and the Department of Transportation. Uh, over that period of time, uh, when since we first submitted in November of 2021, several reports have been issued uh, by state and other agencies. Uh, the most recent being that from the uh, OMWBE, the Washington State Office of Minority Women's and Business Enterprises, uh, that show that the actual spend of state dollars with uh, minority groups had decreased from 3.6%, I think, to 2.6 or 7 uh, and more specifically for our conversation today, the percentage of Blacks uh, participation in the spend of state dollars is 1.8% of 1%. I mean, like 100 or 1,000. Yeah, 0.18%. Bob, I want Claude to, uh, to chime in. He's one of the people that signed on as the first vice president of the NAACP. And... Uh, uh, Claude has been involved with uh, as a, the labor movement, and Claude, I'd just like to have you comment on the complaint yourself. Where do you see it going, and uh, are you satisfied with what's happening so far? It is absolutely not right now. I mean, there's a long way. Uh, we have a long way to go with this, and uh, what I see in this is that. Uh, um, there are so many violations, and when we talk about, uh, we talk about even uh, uh, Article Six and Seven of the Civil Rights Act. Uh, uh, there are so many violations; it, it, it's 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 reprehensible, you know. And I'm not satisfied right now. And as a matter of fact, I'm dissatisfied. We have a long, long way to go. And uh, I think also we have to recognize the fact that the previous president that we had sort of exacerbated a lot of what is going on right now and trying to fix it. Uh, we're having a difficult problem uh, with that. So I'm going to let Bob continue with his uh, analysis and uh, and I can go, uh, I can move forward on this. Okay. Uh, now, did Lyle Kwasim drop off the line? Lyle, are you, you still know, on? I'm, I'm still here. I'm still oh, great. Here. Okay. Lyle Kwasim is chair of the Tacoma uh, Pierce County Black Collective and they meet every Saturday and that meant that this past Saturday on Christmas Eve they met and they've been doing this for over 50 years. And they have very distinguished members of the Black Tacoma Pierce County Black Elected. So, Mr. Chairman, would you go right ahead and give your analysis? So, first of all, I'd like to thank uh, Mr. Armstead for uh, the uh, recap and the chronology, because it's very important to understand a couple of things. One, we know and can demonstrate factually that harm has occurred. The data is in um, uh, study after study after study. 
at least eight that I know of have all concluded, all come to the same conclusion, that harm is occurring, that uh, uh, people of color in general and black people, uh, African Americans in particular, are not a part of the um, a, a system of uh, uh, sharing within the, the state's tax structure. So we, we know that. Uh, we uh, also know that the origin of this is Washington State, and it is the Washington State Legislature. It is the Washington State Executive Branch of Government's responsibility. We now turn to, re to seek relief at the federal level. And as Mr. Armstead said, we, we have ticked every box. We have um, uh, done the, the proper diligence in terms of outlining our complaint, demonstrating that harm has occurred, uh, referring that complaint to the Department of Justice Civil Rights Division. Um, and uh, we have not seen anything that looks like a serious effort to gain relief for African Americans in the state of Washington, as it contracts with uh, a state uh, state government, it, it, this is this is um, uh, absolutely unacceptable. And no serious person, no serious person, elected, appointed, or just uh, a a casual uh, reviewer of these facts, no serious person could come to any other conclusion other than that. African Americans have been systematically and intentionally uh, discriminated against in this state when it comes to uh, participating in contracting. And it doesn't make any difference where we go. We can go to the University of Washington. We can go to uh, the Department of Social and Health Services. We can go to uh, uh, any state agency, and we will find disparities in terms of our participation in this process. And we have done everything that the system has asked us to do. Document, we've documented. File a complaint, we file a complaint. Follow up on the complaint, we followed up on the complaint. Generate support, we've generated support, legislative support, we've generated community support. It is, it, it, it is not a mystery why this hasn't occurred, why we haven't sought, received relief but it is unacceptable that we have not received relief. Well, Mr. Chairman, what I'd like to do is I would like to have, uh, if just for, I wanna make sure that uh, our interns here, would you please take a minute or two and just share your background, all the positions that you've held in state government, sir? Mr. Ryan, my, uh, to, to the interns, my name is Lyle Quasim. I'm uh, 79 years old. Uh, I was um, formerly the, director of the state psychiatric hospitals for the state of Washington. I was the state mental health director for the state of Washington. I was fired by the governor as the mental health director for the state of Washington. I was rehired by the next governor and became the secretary of the Department of Social and Health Services. At that time, the largest agency in state government with over 17,000 employees and a budget of over $5 billion. Uh, I've also uh, been the um, chief of staff for the county executive in Pierce County and the community college president at Bates Technical College. And what, what I'm saying to your interns and to your staff is that I understand how this system works. I understand when this system wants to grant relief to people who have been injured by the system. Uh, 
the system is able to do that. The authority structure is not uh, looking for solutions, looking for ways to resolve this problem. They know the ways to resolve the problem. They have intentionally not resolved the problem. Uh, and people should be held accountable for it. We have a, a, a democratic state uh, with a democratic governor. We have a democratic um, uh, legislature. Um, we have a very progressive uh, uh, Supreme Court. I, I just don't understand why all these things, when they cannot come together to, 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 to gain relief for African Americans, when the spend is so small, 0.18%, not a full percent, not a full percent. I mean, it is, it is, it is, um, it is, it's, it's an outrage, I believe, in terms of uh, how African Americans contracting the state government, uh, uh, the uh, inability for us uh, to participate in the system. Okay, Lau, thank you very much. I thought it was very important for the people, uh, the interns and everybody else to hear uh, your stellar career. Uh, now, Claude, we got about one minute left. Go ahead with your point. Hey, can I just add this to, uh, you know, initiative I-200 really impacted negatively uh, our progression. We have been, uh, uh, as far as education, as far as employment, uh, we have been affected by I-200. Uh, and, and Governor it, Gary Locke, Gar Governor Gary Locke killed affirmative action with the governor's directive ninety eight zero one. That right. was hid for a long time. But we finally found out. So we got about uh, two minutes left, and I want to go back to the architect of the complaint, Bob Armstead. Bob, you got about two minutes if you can wind up for us. Uh, okay. And what I would like to add, both uh, and uh, Miles' statements, is since we submitted the complaint, the participation level has decreased. And as Lyle stated, in the state, there are uh, provisions within law to remedy these situations. There have been provisions in federal government law since 1968 to remedy these situations. So it's not that there's not the ability or the opportunity to remedy these situations, there's no will. And it appears to me that rather than wanting and initiating things to bring about improvement, they're demonstrating to us that they can reverse it. They're making it worse. What was okay. the number for the years when we started this complaint, as low as they were, they're higher than the numbers now. So it, it is very important that everyone know that everyone have conversations with their representatives on the state and federal level that okay. this matter has to be addressed. Thank okay. you very much. I want to thank uh, Bob Armstead, Claude Burfick, and uh, Chairman Lau Kwasim. We're going to take a break. But Eric, before we take the break, I want to say Happy New Year to uh, John Tay Robinson, Kent Keel, the chair of the Sound Transit Board, Leslie Jones down there, Brenda Namby the Seattle Purchasing and Construction Services Department with Carol Wong, with Carmen Kruzinski, with Mark Nakawara, uh, Jesse Gilliam is the acting uh, director, the Port of Seattle, me and Rice, the Diversity Contracting Office, me and Rice, Lawrence Coleman, uh, Josie Regan, uh, Lance Little and Don Hunter out at the airport. 
and also uh, Delmas Whitaker and Kenny Lyles. The Delmas is over the Marine Division. So we're going to take this break and come back with the great interns from the Seattle MLK Organizing Coalition. Thank you all very much. And the couples we know are fondly kissing Will I be with you Or will I be among the missing Maybe it's much too early in the game Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxshops.com. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill and the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Link Light Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Link Light Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Link Light Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. Alternative Talk 1150. It's good for what ails you. This statement has not been evaluated by the FDA. What are you doing, New Year's? New Year's Eve. All right. I'm going to be staying home. I don't know about everybody else, but New Year's Eve, I'm going to enjoy it at the house. But right now, we come to uh, the Seattle MLK Organizing Coalition's intern part of the program. But kicking that off is the vice chair, uh, uh, attorney Robert P. Bobby Alexander. So uh, give us about a two-minute spill on how you guys came up with the idea of bringing and embracing these young people into the organization. Yeah, so um, a couple of years ago, the chair and I, Shade Moore, were having a conversation about the participation from community members, specifically young people, and how we could incorporate them into our organization and kind of yield a, a younger group of people to volunteer in the long run. Maybe not this year or next year, but certainly in the next decade, as Mr. Watson here and Ms. Leonard uh, mature and matriculate through college. Um, is there a way for us to make them more likely to join the committee 
and become sort of lifelong members like yourself and Bob Barnes. Uh, so the internship is kind of designed to give people a taste of the committee work, incentivize them with, you know, petty change, something for their pocket so they can uh, go out and do, you know, fun, fun stuff with the money, but also learn the inner workings of the committee and how, uh, how we throw this event every year. Because uh, I think that one of the things that, one of the myths that's propagated throughout the community is that the event will happen regardless of participation from the community, but it's just not true. Um, it has to be done through the efforts of, of volunteerism um, and, frankly, the donations of the community and corporations. So uh, this is all about trying to make sure that we're able to do this event beyond the 40 years, the 50, the 60, and the 70 years. And it would be these people that make it possible, and that's the reason that we did it. Great. So I want to start with uh, the, old, the old guy first, the 12th grader from my alma mater, uh, Garfield High School, Mr. Brian Watson. I want you to just talk briefly about uh, uh, about yourself and also how you got involved and so far. What has your experience been, and how would you would you encourage other students in your uh, situation to get involved in this uh, organization? Yes. Hello. Uh, I want to thank you for having us and your representation of Garfield. Uh, my name is Brian, and I'm a 12th grader at Garfield, and uh, I got into this organization as an intern. It originally started as a assignment at, at during my Career Connect class, and uh, I was particularly interested in it because of the previous events that happened at Garfield throughout the years, and with this particularly being the 40, 40th annual celebration. And uh, I definitely would encourage other people at my school and of other generations to participate in this organization. Uh, it's been a really positive experience in terms of putting together this event and connecting with youth on these issues that we have selected. That's great. Uh, now, Naomi Holly Selassie, she's from uh, uh, North North Creek High School, 11th grade, correct? That is correct. Okay, share your story with us. Hello, I am Naomi Holly Selassie and I'm a junior at North Creek High School. Um, I actually heard about this coalition from my cousin and I applied because I love being involved in the community that I'm a part of, and I'm passionate for advocating for others. Um, I'm also a part of my high school's Black Student Union and my district's Racial Justice Committee and an intern at Swedish Hospital. And I would definitely recommend for others to join the coalition. What area of, uh, uh, where is North Creek uh, High School located? It's in Bothell, Washington. In Bothell, okay. So I don't know if, what the significant minority population out there now, because they've been a mass exodus out of the city. Just out of curiosity, what does uh, your school student body population look like in terms of ethnicity? Um, I would say that it's white and there's a lot of people from South Asia and East Asia. Okay. Okay. Then uh, next, I want to go to uh, Kimani Leonard, who is a 10th grader at Tacoma, Tahoma High School. So Kimani, go right ahead. Um, hi, uh, my name is Kimani Leonard. I'm a 10th grader at Tahoma High School. I heard about this opportunity from a teacher of mine, and it was also showcased in uh, a slideshow from our Black Student Union that I'm a part of. And I, it's just, it's something I've never done before. So I was interested in trying it. And my school in particular is a majority um, white school. So I thought it would be a good opportunity to connect with my culture. That's great. O'Day man, Kobe Lee Williams, who is a 10th grader at O'Day High School. Matter of fact, track star Bobby Alexander was also an O'Day alum. Go right ahead, Kobe. 
Yes, sir. Um, my name is Kobe Williams. I'm a 10th grader out of day. Um, I heard about this from another internship I had at Participatory Budgeting, which I'm actually still doing. Um, and the reason I wanted to do it is because as a kid, um, more like fourth grade, I read a book about the Jim Crow laws. And ever since then, I'm always been interested in social justice and yeah. Okay, and I want to ask uh, any of you and just raise your hand. Uh, have you been involved with any kind of protest demonstration for civil rights or for equal rights? Okay, Bobby Alexander, they'll be involved. Who Who's going to the Martin Luther King Jr. March? I'm going. I'm going. I'm going to. Oh, okay. Did I miss anyone? Now, I also want to be there. That uh, uh, Brooklyn Brooks from Garfield couldn't be here because she had a doctor's appointment. So I want to make sure people know because she was on the email, also on Facebook. She deserves that for being a, a intern. And uh, uh, so, in terms of uh, uh, let's go back to Brian Watson. What are your future plans, Brian? Your graduation in probably what six months now? Yes, uh, the number one school for college I'm looking at right now is the University of Washington. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm looking to study mechanical engineering there. Oh, that's great. Now, did you have a family member go to Garfield as well? Uh, my older brother had went to Garfield and also my uh, my grandmother. Okay, okay, so you got the whole lineage. So, uh, Naomi, you got, uh, even though you're a junior, what are you looking at in terms of post-secondary educational opportunities? Um, I'm looking mostly at UW, but I'm also looking at other UC schools and NYU and also Barnard of Columbia. And I'm hoping to major in biochem and I want to become a dermatologist one day. And I know that Kobe and Kimani are in the 10th grade. So in the next two years, what will you be striving to be Kobe Williams? Are you going to be volunteering in the community, participating in freedom and justice causes? What do you have planned? Um, well, I've been really interested in uh, software engineering. That's kind of the main thing I've been focused on right now. I've been, um, I was planning on taking some college courses when I, in, during the summer. And um, also I've been studying a lot on my own. So that's what I'm hoping to do in the future. And you make making Bob Alexander real proud in, in the 10th grade. And uh, Ms. Kimani Leonard, uh, what are your plans? Uh, what do you plan on getting involved with? You got a couple uh, or you have to look at college. So what are you doing in uh, uh, in terms of community activities and other things before that? I would like to continue volunteering. I have also been interested in writing. That's I want to major in literature. And my junior year, I will be doing Running Start at Green River College. Okay. And uh, go back to uh, the vice chair. Uh, Bobby, you and Shade uh, Moore, the chair, came up with this idea of these... Uh, internship programs. Can you go into a little bit more detail about their specific assignments they, they have? Yeah, so what we've asked this group of people to do is to essentially create a parallel um, program. So, you know, obviously what we would have our traditional march and rally at Garfield on Martin Luther King Day. And the day prior, we ask uh, these interns to put together a virtual uh, youth event where they're going to discuss, you know, the topics of today. Um, I have not even asked them specifically what they would like to, to discuss because it's an event for the youth, by the youth, uh, and we're asking them to talk about social justice issues and to host essentially a conversation about that. Um, not only does it 
give them greater depth uh, in terms of knowledge about what's happening, but it gives them the opportunity to bring other people in and make them aware of the committee. Um, and it also gives them the opportunity to get that really vital experience of speaking out loud um, to the community about these topics that frankly are controversial. Um, none of these things are easy to talk about, you know, whether you're talking about affirmative action in a public space, for example, you know that you're ultimately going to run into the question of somebody who's saying, well, my child wasn't a part of that historical wrong, so why should they give up their opportunity, right? Like that, that's something that you're always going to face, and this is an opportunity for them to get practice at having those conversations amongst their peers uh, and, and really just develop intellectually on these social justice issues, which are things, frankly, that they have to overcome themselves in their personal lives for the rest of their lives. Uh, none of this stuff, uh, are, they're not insulated from any of it. Uh, you're talking about essentially four young people who want to go to University of Washington, same school I got my master's from, where when they invited me to apply to the law school, they didn't admit me uh, and had 300 students and only admitted two black ones. So this is not going anywhere. So I, I'm, I'm happy for them. It's an incredibly talented group. And uh, I, I couldn't I couldn't have picked better people this year. So I'm, I'm actually pretty satisfied listening to them talk. I feel pretty good. Well, you know, it is pretty sad to see all those brothers on the field because, you know, all the post games are coming up now and you don't hardly see two black faces in the student section. So uh, at the University of Washington, these other institutions of higher learning, we're going to have to have really have a, a sit down and talk about what can happen because I know we have people from our community that are on the Board of Regents and I know they have to have enough influence. It's really was something back in the 70s. We had more students at the University of Washington in the 70s than we have Right now, we had over 1,500 in 1972, but that was a strong BSU. We got about two I think we should huh? talk about that. I think there's a great way to close for, for these young people. So one thing that you should know about the University of Washington is that when the Black Student Union forced the UW to admit all of those Black students that you were talking about in the 70s, the university did not do enough to support them. And so a lot of those students did not matriculate through. And because they didn't matriculate through, the Black Student Union came up with a different solution, which is the Instructional Center. And all the different things that you see on campus now that if you guys are admitted, you will have access to, which are equity focused. That only happened because of the people who came before you and fought for it. And that's why it's so important that we have these events and that we, we actually patronize them. You know, this is the first year we've had male interns. Mm -hmm. And I made sure of it this year. That's one of the reasons that Kobe is here because I said, I'm going to talk to the staff at O'Day because I know there are black boys there that will participate. And I'm happy we have Garfield students too because we need, we need, we need, we need, we need everybody in our community, male, female, and otherwise to get this thing going in the right direction. We're not gonna overcome the economic disenfranchisement as just males or just females or just third parties or other or whatever it is. Okay. And it starts there. Well, Bobby, uh, you and Shadi are doing an outstanding job. I want to thank uh, Naomi Hollis-Lassi, Kobe Williams, Kimani Leonard, and Brian Watson for joining in today and listening to the whole program. I really hope you guys got some uh, some knowledge out of that, uh, like hearing uh, you know, a trailblazer like Dr. Lyle, like Lyle Kwasim, Bob Armstead, who was the architect of the civil rights complaint fighting for justice, because uh, we're over the over the hill game, but we can't stop fighting. Some people said, man, as old as you are, when are you going to retire? I said, I'm going to retire when racism retires. So it hasn't went anywhere yet, so I'll still be on the battlefield. 
So I want to thank all you guys for joining me today. And I look forward to seeing you on the 15th, the 16th, if not before. The, it's January 16th, uh, 2023 is the annual MLK celebration in Seattle. So thank you very much, everyone. And we'll talk to you later. Thank you very much, Eric. Thank you.